3: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A 12 year old little girl sings for the choir and then goes missing, seemingly vanishing into thin air.
4: On December 20th 1984 Janelle Matthews attended a church uh, excuse me a school um, choir concert about a block and a half from where we stand right now she was driven home to her West Greeley home by her uh, family friend walked into her house and that was the last time she was seen alive by the time her father arrived home an hour later Janelle was missing What ensued was a 35 year long investigation into her disappearance. President Ronald Reagan mentioned Janelle by name in a speech in 1985. Her picture and her identifying information was one of the first to be on the milk cartons that were put out in all of the schools nationwide by the National Child Safety Council. Numerous searches were conducted in Northern Colorado Nothing from those searches ever led to any answers about Janelle's disappearance.
1: Guys, I don't understand how a family friend can drive the child home. The father gets there one hour later, and she's gone. Joining me in an all-star panel to break it down and put it back together again, first of all, Judge and trial lawyer and mom anchor at Court TV, Ashley Wilcott. You can find her at AshleyWilcott.com. Dr. Daniel Bober, forensic psychiatrist, chief of psychiatry, Memorial Regional Healthcare Systems. Clinical professor, Yale. You can find him on Insta at Dr. Daniel Bober. Robert Crispin, private investigator, Crispin Special CrispinSpecialInvestigations.com. Professor forensics, Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State University author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon and now star of a new hit show, Poisonous Liaisons on True Crime Network, Joseph Scott Morgan, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, Levi Page, and CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter and journalist, Lee Egan. But first, I want to go to former reporter KMGH-TV Denver, Stuart Jacoby, you know, Stuart, I want to thank you so much for being with us, formerly right there, KMGH-TV. What was the feeling in the community in those very first days?
2: There just seemed to be this silence around the home from the first day um, and, and even in the weeks that followed because the entire community was simply shocked that this beautiful 12-year-old girl should simply vanish without a trace. And there were no signs of a struggle. So um, if she had been abducted, it was obvious to all of us that it would have been by somebody that she knew and trusted. But she was simply
1: You know, to Lee Egan, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter and journalist, Lee, why is it? And you and I have covered this a million times, and I've tried a case like this, where when a young girl this age, 12, 13, this time Janelle's just 12 years old, goes missing, everybody says, run away, and it's kind of chalked off that she'll eventually be heard from and she'll be found. Lee, tell me about when the dad got home. What was the scene in the home and
5: where had she been, Lee Egan? She had been, she was a singer. She loved to sing, and she was at a middle school choir concert. Her father was at a basketball game with her older sister at a nearby high school an hour earlier than the basketball game. So she comes home. Her friend, Deanna, um, and her father, Diana's father. Hold on,
1: Lee Egan, one second. Uh-huh. Right there to Robert Crispin, PI at Crispin Special Investigations. I'm glad to hear what Lee Egan just told me because you know, uh, Robert, and tell me right, wrong, disagree, doesn't matter. I just want to know what you think. The father is the one that finds her missing. The father comes home, and in most situations, we look immediately at the family i.e. the older brother, the crazy uncle, the um, cousin that's living there without a job, or the father. And what Lee Egan's just telling me, the father has an alibi. He was at a ball game, I think she said basketball game, with the sister. So, this time we can cross the dad out. Why do we always start with the family, Robert Crispin? Well,
6: obviously it's it's the family's worst nightmare or the parents' worst nightmare to come home and find their child missing. But why do we focus there first? We focus there first because they have the most knowledge of the child. They have the most knowledge of the activities with inside the home. And as an investigator, we want to talk to those people right away because a trained investigator immediately is going to pick up something that's not right they're going to pick up something that's wrong an incorrect statement a sense of mm-hmm. they're trying to hide something so immediately they go right to the family he's got an alibi that's great we move on to the next one we start talking to the neighbors we start talking to exactly the brother the start sister the mom.
1: out Robert Crispin, Private Eye, Crispin Special Investigations, is right. Plus, Dr. Daniel Bober, forensic psychiatrist, you can't argue with stats.
4: Yeah, absolutely, Nancy. More often than not, it's the intimates. It's what your previous guest said about them having the most knowledge of the patterns, the lifestyles, and the comings and goings. So that's always who they look totally. at. Totally.
1: And I mean, that aside, just statistics, if you don't start with a nuclear family, you're mishandling the
5: investigation. Back to you, Lee. Again, so the dad gets home from the basketball game with his sister, and then what? And then everything looks completely normal. He noticed that uh, Janelle's shoes and her shawl were sitting next to a space heater, and he said that's usually what she does when she gets home and wants to watch TV. She'll put her stuff by the heater, turn it on, and watch TV. So he didn't think anything out of the ordinary until she didn't show up 30 minutes, still wasn't there an hour, still wasn't there, Then he became worried. But I'm
1: curious why he didn't notice immediately. There's her shoes. If it's cold outside and she's not in the house, where the hay is she? Straight back to Stuart Jacoby, former reporter, KMGH-TV Denver. Um, When you first looked at the story, is it true that many people thought she was a runaway? What did you think?
2: She had just vanished. And um, I think that that was the mystery of the whole process. She was this uh, beautiful girl was just simply gone. And um, at the time, uh, you know, the family uh, had very strong faith. And um, so uh, there was no discussion about her being a runaway. Nobody ever thought that she was going to be a runaway. Um, She uh, had a solid life in school, solid life in church, solid family life there was just uh, that just was not in the picture she simply had vanished it was just just like you know uh, oh my gosh what what has happened here and the police were as baffled as anybody else and they were not able to put forth a whole lot of information because they just didn't know themselves
1: you know, Stuart Jacoby, with me, formerly KMGH TV Denver, who covered the case from the very beginning. You heard Lee Egan mentioning about the shoes and the shawl uh, near a heater. Did you go out in the field to try to find leads, Stuart?
2: We didn't want to leave the. We didn't want to leave the scene. We were uh, outside the residence, and uh, they the police had gathered us in a particular area. And um, we didn't really want to leave there at this point in time. When the, uh, P, you know, the friends and and uh, neighbors and so forth began searching in the area, then we would, you know, go out and get other pictures. But that didn't come for a while. She simply was gone. They had come home. She had been there. It was obvious. Her, che- her shoes were by the chair. There was that wrap, which I think was a shawl that was over the chair, and she simply was not there. And it was, she had just vanished. And everybody was shocked.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Where is a 12 year old little girl out in this cold temperature outside? She clearly got home from the middle school choir uh, event. Her shoes were there that she had worn that night. Her shawl was there that she had taken with her. But no Janelle uh, with me, an all-star panel. Let me know when we get Ashley Satellite back up. We've got her good. Back to you, Stuart Jacoby. Um, What type of area is Greeley and was the community involved?
2: To have a child simply vanish the way that she had vanished was just absolutely unbelievable to everybody. And what I remember was how shocked the entire community was. And her friends, of course, immediately began this search. And the search eventually grew into several hundred people. And so every day we were over there with our cameras and uh, taking pictures as people were, were searching. And eventually, as I recall, it wasn't too long a period of time before they really stopped searching because it just seemed to be fruitless that she was going to be found.
1: Oh, that must have broken the family's heart. And to you, Ashley Wilcott, Judge Trial Lawyer, Anchor Court TV at AshleyWilcott.com, these are just. Regular civilians. I mean, if it were you or I might know to immediately get to the media, do our own searches, put up posters, um, contact all the databases, uh, start retracing steps, look for the iPhone. Where's my iPhone? I mean, we we, would know so many things to do, Ashley, but people that are not in our business of crime don't know what to do absolutely and keep in mind this was 35 years ago so they didn't have cell phones and
3: iphones that you could look up the history and see where your child was in addition to that in a small community like this where you think oh wait so did she go with a friend maybe she's with so-and-so let's just see if she went over to her house this is really odd but you would not think something nefarious from the get-go who would i think that it would be an innocent well, gosh, head scratcher. Where'd she go? Let's figure out where she is versus this is the scene of a crime,
1: potentially. Okay, um, to you, Levi Page Greeley, tell me about the the jurisdiction. I'm trying to figure out what the weather would be on that night. So, Nancy, it would be really cold. I mean, it's Colorado. Levi, for um, Pete's for- sake. I know that. Come on, man. You're the investigative reporter. I'm just a lawyer. Really cold. Get uh-uh. more, more. That's what their winters are like, Nancy. was it snowing?
8: I think it had snowed. I mean, she was wearing a shawl. She was wearing shoes. There was a fire in the home, a heater that she placed her shoes and her shawl in front of. She was known to sit in the chair where her clothes that she had left behind were found.
1: You know, that's reminding me so much of my daughter because she's 12, Uh, like yours, Ashley, and when it's cold outside, she runs in and stands by the fire. She's a a snuggle bunny. She wants to get warm, and she will wear layers and layers and layers of clothes, socks, bedroom shoes, the whole shebang. Joe Scott Morgan, Levi Page has told me a critical piece of information, and that was it had been snowing. Remember when John Binet Ramsey went missing and snow played such an important factor in the investigation? Explain my thinking, Joe Scott.
7: Well, if you've got snow, Nancy, there is a high likelihood that anybody that had access to the home might very well leave prints uh, in the snow, for instance, uh, shoe prints. And, you know, that that alone is a significant piece of evidence in this case because they did, in fact, say that there were footprints in the snow, but also you go back to the environmental factors and you begin to think about, you know, this girl is accustomed to this, to this environment. She knows better than to leave the house unprotected. You're going to tell me she's going to walk out of the house barefooted. I don't think so. So that means that there would be something that would draw her to a location where maybe she was spirited away in some way. And that is a big indicator in this case. And it kind of gives us a profile of maybe what had happened.
1: So, no tracks in the snow that we know of. And back to you, Lee Egan crimeonline.com, investigative journalist, investigative reporter and journalist. What can else can you tell me about the scene because I'm wondering was there any forced entry? Was anything in disarray? Did she leave a note behind? Had there been an argument with her family? Did she have another little 12-year-old boyfriend or or friend girl at school that they ran away together on a lark? What did we learn from the
5: scene? Absolutely no arguments from the family. She did leave a note uh, behind. It wasn't saying she was going anywhere, but her father was a principal at an elementary school. One of the teachers called the home and said he was going to be sick the next day. So she wrote down a note for her father and left it by the phone, which let them know that she definitely was there. You know, she had time to leave the note, take a phone call before she disappeared. It gives me the feeling that somebody, Jackie,
1: was watching her. Watching her get out of the car, watching her come home from the school uh, singing event, seeing her take off her shoes. As I recall, her, like, leotards had been left there, too, that she had taken off possibly wet leotards in the snow and, and was trying to get warm. Can you imagine this perv watching her take the phone call Or maybe even just as he was about to enter, here's the phone ring and the pauses. I want to go back out to special guest Stuart Jacoby, uh, former reporter, KMGH-TV Denver. Stuart, again, thank you for being with us. At the time, did you develop a theory about what happened to her?
2: There were so many theories being advanced at that time because there was almost an epidemic of missing children, not only from Colorado, but from around the country as well. And we always kept reading in newspapers after newspapers of stories of these children who went missing with all of these conspiracy theories and everything that was going on. And uh, people were trying to link them to to maybe uh, serial kidnappers or yeah. something like that. But, but um, when we developed contact with her family, she became more real to all of us. And so we were certainly brought down to earth when um, we began to talk to the family and they began putting out appeals for people to look for their missing girl.
1: You know, I'm just thinking this through and It happens to me a lot. To Dr. Daniel Bober, a forensic psychiatrist, we cover stories and I investigated and prosecuted. You can read police reports, supplemental reports, news articles. But when you start dealing with the family that's searching for their child, not only does it become real, but you kind of start putting yourself in their position. What would I do if my daughter or my son just suddenly was gone? What, what went wrong? Did, did they do anything wrong? Was there something they could have done? Why does that happen to us? It only gets real when you put yourself in their shoes or you meet the family, Dr. Bober.
4: I think you develop that empathy, Nancy, when it all hits home. And I think when you spe- start speaking to the family, then it just becomes real. It's not just another file on a desk. It's a real person. And you relate to it in a way when you think about the same thing could happen to you. So there, but by the grace of God, go on.
9: Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we're talking about a beautiful 12-year-old girl that goes to sing in a holiday special at school junior high, she's in the seventh grade, I think. She gets home, uh, 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 the parent of another child singing brings her home, drops her, watches her go in. Dad gets home from a basketball game with sister one hour later, and she's gone. Her shoes, her leotards, her shawl she wore that night because they all had a certain thing they were going to wear to the concert. They're all there. She's even taken a phone message But no, Janelle. Back to Stuart Jacoby, former KMGH-TV Denver reporter. Did you find the reporting on Janelle to be more personal than most of your cases?
2: It was just one of those things where just, you know, nobody knew what happened. And that was the, the shock of all of it was that she was just simply gone. And she was a beautiful girl. She'd been on television singing Christmas carols. And um, we all knew, you know, we were all parents ourselves. And so we were always putting ourselves kind of in the picture, so to speak, that, you know, um, this was somebody's child. And we as reporters were trying to do everything that we could to keep her name out there. And family and friends, of course, wanted to keep her name out there. And uh, it was amazing then the following March when uh, President Reagan uh, was, uh, you know, instituting the Center for Missing and Exploited Children.
1: That was a huge, huge help to the case. And I was just wondering, Stuart Jacoby, at the beginning, did you think... The case of Janelle, her missing case, would be solved quickly.
2: I think we thought, yeah, she's going to be found. Somebody uh, will know and will come forward. And of course, um, with with any kind of um, story and and of course investigators approach it the same way is that you know somebody knows. What happened, all you have to do is find the person that knows what happened, and eventually the case will be solved. And I think we, we're from that standpoint, yes, we probably uh, were thinking, well, somebody knows what happened, and they'll step forward, and the case will be solved.
1: But it didn't turn out that way. Straight out to Lee Egan, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Lee, as the years passed the family and others seemingly gave up hope what was being done to try to find her
5: well the parents they went all out trying to find their daughter a twenty thousand dollar reward flyers to every every city in the nation they didn't give up until I mean, many years later they kind of um, they, they didn't give up but they kind of put it to rest is what they said and they They took her Menudo posters off the wall. They opened her Christmas presents because they wanted their older daughter to go on with her life. Uh, At this point, to you,
1: Joseph Scott Morgan, what should the police be doing as the months pass?
7: Well, you know, listen, Nancy, uh, back during that period of time, uh, you know, we're going all the way back to 1984. There was not the network in place uh, that that exists now. And so everything kind of starts locally and it kind of ends there many times. Uh, you know, there is, you can push things out to the FBI and, uh, and try to help, you know, and to the state level, try to get information out. But unless you stay on this case day in and day out, and we've seen this time and time again, Unfortunately, they're going to fade into the background. Well, I guess they did
1: everything they were supposed to do, which is take fingerprints at the scene, uh, try to go through her room. She probably didn't have anything like a laptop or an iPhone then. But find out if there had been any communications with friends at school, ask her best friend, Uh, look at the windows, had there been forced entry. They did all of that and then... A sudden change in the case. Take a listen to Tori Mason, KC, CBS 4
5: Oil field workers found human remains in Weld County Tuesday night, about 24 miles from the Matthews home in Greeley. Evidence at the scene helped investigators determine the remains belonged to 12 year old Janelle Matthews. According to GPD, there was red and blue clothing similar to what Janelle was wearing the night she went missing. Now, the investigation remains active and Greeley police says they're chasing uh, tips on a
1: suspect. I'm trying to figure out uh, what the red and blue fibers meant How far away was this? We know it was 24 miles, but what kind of area was it found in? Apparently an oil field where construction workers were laying pipe straight out to you. Levi Page, tell me about the discovery of Janelle's body and how how many years had passed when this was discovered. So Nancy, 35 years had passed and in July of 2019, a
8: construction crew had found her body at an oil construction site 20 miles from her home, and officials confirmed the remains were Janelle's. And an autopsy was performed on her body, and she died of a gunshot wound to the head.
1: A 12-year-old girl dies of a gunshot wound, I believe? That's absolutely
5: correct. One single gunshot wound to the head.
1: You know, to you, Dr. Daniel Bober, forensic psychiatrist, what does that tell you about the killer? That he, and no offense, gentlemen, but we know it's got to be a guy, because it always is, almost always, to use an execution-style gunshot wound to a little girl Bober? Well,
4: I mean, Nancy, what can you really say? I mean, it's absolutely horrific. I don't know. know. You're the
1: psychiatrist. You tell me. I mean, to me, this signifies such a callous approach to this child that you could hold a gun to her head while she's alive and shoot her dead.
2: Yep, he executed her.
1: Okay, I know that. But what can you tell me about the mind of a killer that would execute, like mob style, a little girl?
4: Absolutely no feeling, complete contempt for human life and no connection to her whatsoever.
1: OK, now I see all that education and experience shining through. It, uh, maybe I should get my degree in DDS. That's pulling teeth, because I had to just pull I think it was on of the right here. I had to pull out of Biber to get him like, "Tell me something, man, for Pete's sake."
0: This is it, your moment.
9: Follow the global story from the BBC, wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Right now, we're going straight back to the disappearance and the ultimate discovery of the body of a 12-year-old little girl, Janelle Matthews, who disappeared from her Colorado home in 1984. The search for Janelle became a national cause. Even President Ronald Reagan discussed her on TV. Take a listen to Mark Salinger of KUSA Denver 9 friends dropped Janelle off at her Greeley home after a choir concert. When her father got to the house later
3: that evening, she was gone. Her shoes and a shawl were the only clues left behind. Ten years later, the Matthews family held a funeral service for their missing daughter. Still, no arrests, no clues, and no closure. We realized that we haven't haven't got complete finality here because we don't have a body
4: or proof of something but we would still we still want to go through and and commit janelle to to the lord and and uh, just say goodbye to her
3: 34 years after janelle matthews saw her family for the final time i can assure you that
1: we are going to be working tirelessly to bring justice to janelle
3: a break in the case even if it isn't yet solved
1: it was a big break in the case when her body is found and those red and blue fibers were found on the body. Levi Page, uh, there was a quilt missing? Yes, from the home, and the fibers that were found at the site where her body was found match the fibers
8: from this quilt that was missing from the home.
1: Robert Crispin, private investigator, Crispin Special Investigations at CrispinsInvestigations.com. When you get a fiber like that, what do investigators try to do with it?
6: Oh, forensic evidence is just priceless in a case like this. Um, They can take that back and they can tie it into maybe something else at the home, another piece of uh, Mm -hmm. uh, property or or quilt or blanket or something of the same type that that was bought at the same time together. Uh, It's amazing evidence to tie back to a crime scene.
1: You know, you're so right, and that's exactly what they did, Robert Crispin. To Levi Page, was Janelle wearing clothes? Were there any clothes there? I'm sure she was totally skeletonized, but what about clothing?
8: Well, there, she was also last seen wearing a blue ski jacket, a red blouse, a dark gray sweater, and there were uh, fibers from those clothings that were also found at the scene as well.
1: Joe Morgan, you're the professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University and author. Question to you, do, do clothing items also decompose, degenerate? Because now they're just fibers left behind.
7: Yeah, that's going to be completely dependent upon what they're made up of and what I mean by that, Nancy. If it is a man-made fiber, a synthetic as we call it, you think about things like rayon and and those sorts of things, uh, polyester, those are gonna be more resilient than say naturally occurring fibers like wool or, or say for instance, cotton. So that's gonna be a specific tie back. And if you get that and you can identify the fiber, you can begin to kind of put in a framework of who the manufacturer is Uh, what type of item it might have been. And of course, that goes to identity, doesn't it? It, it, You know, you have mama, you have daddy that can actually say, yes, she did, in fact, have this kind of clothing. We bought this item for her. Or, hey, I remember giving this to her for a birthday present or maybe a Christmas present.
1: And I guarantee you that night when she went to go do the choir event, uh, Ashley Wilcott, and, and I know for a fact you have to wear a certain thing, you know her parents knew what she was wearing. Like right now, I know what John, Dave, and Lucy have on because I laid it out for them. Okay, not Lucy because now she wants to pick her own outfit. Um, but I generally know, I, I still know exactly what she has on. You know the parents knew what she was wearing that night. So when they hear gray sweater, can you imagine that feeling in their gut A body's been found and there are remnants of a great sweater in there. No, I agree with you, Nancy, especially like you said, when you have an event and a
3: child has to get dressed up for it, like a choir event, you do know what they're wearing. And after the fact, imagine, which I can't even imagine, you have a missing 12-year-old child. Your daughter is missing. What's one of the things you're going to eventually, you know, 10 years later still missing? At some point, you will have gone every single thing in her room, in her closet, in the house, in her life, to grieve, to go through the process, to think, what have we missed? What did we not see? What could have happened to our child? And in that process, I believe you absolutely would know exactly what was missing and what she was wearing.
1: And you know, also the significance to Robert Crispin, PI, Robert, so now we know she's dead. She hasn't been sex trafficked and is walking the streets of New York City with some thug beating her every day. We know that this child is dead, okay? And her body is found just 24 miles from home. And she was still wearing the clothes she had on that night. Give me some quick deductions.
6: I mean you know nancy this you could be all over the map on this one
1: um i disagree i think this tells me everything i need to know except for identity this is what it tells me joe scott morgan it tells me that she was killed the night most likely the night she was taken that uh she was therefore buried most likely that night and also it's someone in that community because they only went 20 miles away from
7: the home. Yeah, you're right. And this person would have specifically known about this area, Nancy. This is not this is not some kind of uh, local right. uh, location. This is isolated, Nancy. They have to know about this area out there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Ashley Wilkart, remember Robert Blake case with some crazy jury said he was innocent. Well, oh, excuse me, not guilty. You have a killer that is not driving a vehicle because they take the murder weapon and they drop it in the dumpster a few yards away from the body. Hello, and Blake is inside at a restaurant. Um, it, it tells me the killer is from there. He didn't go far. Absolutely. And that's not unusual.
3: That's not atypical. It's unusual if you have someone from across the nation who happens to drive by. Rather, what's more typical, if it's not someone um, that's related to the, kill, to the victim, is that it's someone who is local, who knows the area, who knows the people, who knows where to dump the weapon.
1: And also the way that she's killed, statistics show that women very rarely kill children by shooting them in the left side, of the head wasn't it left side, and the angle goes through execution style and burying the body in a grave. That is a male modus operandi statistically. And then straight to you, Lee Eagle dot on CrimeOnline.com, so now they figure out what we're figuring out is somebody local and they start looking for overlap. In other words, whose lives overlap with this family's lives?
5: And who do they find, Lee? Nancy, they find a man named Stephen Dana Penke. At the time, he lived around two miles from the Matthews home. According to the indictment, at the time, he did own a firearm. And he's been accused of watching the children walk home, so he Steve was familiar Pankey, with the children. Wasn't the
1: he a governor's candidate? He ran for governor in Colorado, in Idaho. Excuse me, Idaho, and he then moved to Colorado or turned up there and started watching children go back and forth from school. Is that right, Lee? That
5: that is correct. And he did attend the same church as the Matthews. Uh, he, was in, he was a member of the church until 1978, and then the Matthews family joined the tur- church that same year. So he did have
1: knowledge of the family. He lived two miles away, went to the same church, and how many times do you think he spied on this little 12-year-old girl? So, Lee Egan, where is Panky today?
5: He's in jail. What's they the They arrested him. They arrested him last week on kidnapping and murder charges in connection with uh, Janelle Matthews. We wait
1: as justice unfolds for former governor's candidate, Steve Pankey. Nancy Grace Crime Story signing off. Goodbye, friend.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought...
7: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making
1: today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner.